0: Welcome in to the unnamed MMA podcast. I'm Adam Abdallah. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam A Abdallah. Across from me, as always, Jordan Sherwood. Follow him on Twitter at Wood on ESPN1000. Get all of his picks at FatJackSports.com. Get all your picks at FatJackSports.com. College, pro, baseball still got like a month left, and then the playoffs. And of course, Jordan Sherwood's picks as well. Jordan, how's it going? I did not have Sean Strickland winning that fight. Neither of us did.
1: I don't think a lot of people did. There's a couple of people claiming. uh, Claiming! Now the the debate is starting to say if that was the greatest upset of all time. Uh, Statistically, it was not. Uh, There were bigger underdogs that have cashed. Then you have to look at it from a skill set standpoint. Arguable. I think the one thing that you you take out of that as opposed to comparing it to some of the other greatest upsets we've ever seen, like Matt Serra, Knocking out George St. Pierre, Holly Holm, knocking out Ronda Rousey, Alexa Grasso, who we'll get to later on in this uh, podcast, sum- uh, submitting Valentina Shevchenko. They were all finishes. Sean Strickland beat Israel Adesanya around the cage for five rounds and won a unanimous decision in his home country. He almost
0: then, got a knockout early, early in the first right? round. Like early
1: in the first round when he was just pummeling Adesanya. Exactly. And that that obviously changed the direction of the fight. But the one that's comparable to it, at least from that standpoint, is when T.J. Dillashaw upset Barrow to claim the UFC Bantamweight Championship. It was the first time that T.J. Dillashaw became champion. And that was a five-round dominating performance where T.J. Dillashaw actually had Hennenborough uh, almost out of there multiple times throughout that fight. It was a dominating performance. I can't see. I can't wait to see what's next for Tarzan. But I certainly didn't have it as uh, one of my selections at FadjekSports.com. Yeah, and I think we had the distance. We had. We yeah. We liked the over. We talked about the over. We mm-hmm. thought just stylistically, out uh, of was going to play at distance, just pick apart Sean Strickland. But Sean Strickland too hard to finish in that regard. But also Sean Strickland's style uh, is going to dictate going into the latter rounds. So if you played that, we gave it out basically as an opinion. But other than that, some very, very good fight picks and fight winners uh, for us at FashExports.com. It's two weeks in a row that we've won. And looking to do that at UFC Noche coming up uh, later on this Saturday.
0: Noche UFC is this weekend. A perfect segue as we start to preview this card. It's not the best card. Uh, the main event is certainly decent. Obviously you've got a uh, a title uh, fight there. Uh, a rematch between Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko. Also the Kevin Holland Jack Dale Modalena fight should be good as well. But let's start with Raul Rosas Jr. and Terrence Mitchell. Rosas is minus 770 right now at FanDuel. Mitchell is plus 480. But remember hey we just talked about an upset. A great upset uh, at the last UFC pay-per-view event on Saturday. So you know never Know here with Terrence Mitchell at plus 480, but Rosas, uh, you know, he's only 18 years old. He was handed his first loss of his promotional uh, professional career the last time he was out it, with uh, Christian Rodriguez. And then you've got Terrence Mitchell who lost to Kai Kara France in the opening round of season 24, of The Ultimate Fighter. And then he was called up on short notice in July and he lost. So two guys coming off of losses here fighting each other, but Raul Rosas, the young kid, 18 years old, is minus 770. Throughout
1: this entire card, it's going to feature. Mexican-Americans gonna you know feature uh, you know fighters of Latin descent to honor Mexican Independence Day that's why they shifted this fight card off of a pay-per-view to a UFC fight night and it's right it's why it's being called uh, you know UFC noche because they want to you know showcase that area uh, of the world and those fighters that come from that country Raul Rosas Jr. is is you know one of those examples and obviously he's a phenom you know at 18 years of age the youngest fighter to make his UFC debut the youngest fighter to compete on the UFC roster and yes He was disappointed his last time out. A a controversial decision lost to Christian Rodriguez. But I think you're going to take your lumps, especially making your debut uh, as a 17-year-old. But this guy is... Very good on the ground. He's developing his power. He's developing just becoming a man. Like he's still just 18 years of age. Um, and this is a, a showcase fight for him. Terrence Mitchell is a guy, as you just alluded to, was on the Ultimate Fighter uh, series. that featured flyweight champions from all over the country. This guy was the flyweight champion from a promotion out of Alaska. And that promotion is very well known for padding stats, giving favorable matchups to develop guys to get them with strong win-loss records. And Terrence Mitchell is one of those guys. The two times that he's fought in the UFC, he's been knocked down in the first round. You mentioned Kai Carr France, and then uh, Cameron Samen just knocked him out the last time out. This is another example of one of those fights where we're going to get hot knife through butter Raul Rosas in a squash match against a guy in Terrence Mitchell. Even though the age difference, obviously significant. Terence Mitchell's a man; he's 33 years of age. Raul Rosas just coming to his own, but this is a match to a fight to feature Raul Rosas. So you got to get creative. We're not just looking for. Stick them in your parlay because even at those odds, it's Minus not 770
0: is not too. Yeah, it's
1: right. not going to do much for you. So, here's what you got to do you got to find Raul Rosas in round one and likely Raul Rosas via submission. I think those are the two key areas to focus on. Raul Rosas is going to take this fight to the ground very quickly. Uh, Terrence Mitchell is, is a taller fighter, lengthy arms and legs, and Raul Rosas via submission in round one. That's going to be my recommendation.
0: All right, I don't have odds for that yet because there are no. Uh, other odds, no uh, method of victories here for this fight yet. We're recording this on a Wednesday before the fights take place on Saturday. So for this fight there aren't any. There are for the other fights, for when we get to Kevin Holland and Jack De La Modalina and Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, there are odds for those um, when we go value hunting there, but as far as this fight goes, just when these are posted, probably Thursday or Friday, make sure you look for Rosas in round one, or Rosas via submission, and then of course go to FatJackSports.com where you can get Jordan's pick. Yeah, and,
1: and I'll be sure to you know tweet out what I'm looking at later on in the week, since we are recording this a little bit earlier on uh, in the week, but there's one thing that I want to just address also, as, as you talked about about it, not that great of a card several fights canceled from this fight card I mean Shafkat mm-hmm. Rakhmanov and um, uh, oh gosh now what's his name Man. Calvin Gastelum, sorry, okay. just mind, mind, mind fart for a second, uh, was, was literally going to be the co-main event of this fight. That was going to be awesome because Calvin Gastelum making his return to the welterweight division. Rachmanov is unbeaten, You know, finishes and, it, it split evenly between knockouts and submissions, so we were little, really looking forward to that. Santiago Ponzinibbio, Daniel Rodriguez, another great, intriguing fight, canceled from this fight card. But the other thing, too, is... This fight card is in Las Vegas. It's a fight night. It's not at the Apex. This is at T-Mobile Arena yeah. in front of fans. Mm-hmm. The Mexican fans, the Latino fans are going to be amped
0: love for it. this fight card. Love it. Love it. That's, I love. It. I don't like the Apex because you know there's no atmosphere. It's like friends and family yeah, in it there. It sucks. It's not, it's not great. I get it. But we're out of the pandemic now. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's on. do all these in front of fans. Yeah,
1: just throw them in Tulsa. You know, get remember, them in Nashville. And
0: like I put compar- them in Ann Arbor. Listen, we talk about like wrestling sometimes too. But like I remember going to like a house show. I was younger, and it was just like a Tuesday night, and it wasn't even when SmackDown was being filmed on a Tuesday night with my dad because WWE at the time was in town. And like they even do shit. Like they, it was Allstate Arena. It was packed. And, like, I knew going in, it was a triple threat match between Stone Cold, Undertaker, and Kane. And I was like, no, I know who's going to win the fight because they're not going to, this isn't being televised. So they're not going to do a belt change when it's not televised. And my dad's like, isn't that boring? I go, no, it's not boring. This is still cool. If you can do that, like you can put these fights in places where people
1: will show up. If you had been at events, I know you're not old enough, but if you had been at events in the '80s at the Rosemont Horizon, when yeah. Hulk Hogan wrestled the Big Boss Man and the Ultimate Warrior wrestled Haku and the Brainbusters and the Rockers, uh, that was that was living. Yeah, but that I'm, was living. But
0: I'm saying this is a Tuesday night, like the Road to SummerSlam shows that they were doing like during the week in route <laughs> right. to other shows. They'd be like, "Oh, we're stopping Tuesday night in Chicago. We've got the, the All- Yeah, we've got the Allstate Arena. Like, and it's packed." For fights you you know the results of because belts can't change hands when it's not on TV, and people are still going, you can get – this is a title. There's a title fight Yeah, in this event, this in this UFC fight night, Noche UFC. Like there's a title fight, and you have to – I know this one's not a, at the apex, but they have had title fights at the apex. It's stupid. Anyway. <laughs> our, our next fight, Kevin Holland against Jack De La Modalina. Kevin Holland uh, wanted to fight Jack De La Modalina earlier this summer. They're fighting now. Uh, Holland got a first-round submission against Michael Chesea at UFC 291. And Jack De La Modalina had to fight uh, Basil Hoffas earlier he was pushed a little bit, but he is still uh, undefeated as a 15 win streak uh, underneath his belt, or not belt, really underneath his whatever UFC shorts underneath his shorts. Uh, <laughs> going into this fight, he is minus 155. The favorite, Kevin Holland, is plus 120. Just Jack De La Molina stay undefeated.
1: Yeah, well, that's the question. I mean, the, the, this guy is is supposed to be special. He's won 15 fights in a row. He's looked very impressive. He had, you know, finishes in his first three official UFC contests. I'm talking about Jack Della uh, Maddalena. Uh, But yeah, underwhelmed against uh, Basil Halas, you know, who took that fight on short notice. Not a lot was known about him at the time. Uh, And and Jack Della Maddalena, you know, unfortunately wasn't being able to be booked uh, last month at UFC 293 to fight in front of his home countrymen. So what, he gets to fight in Vegas against Kevin Holland on a fight featuring Mexican-American fighters. No, good for him, uh, being the Australian or the New Zealander. He's one of the two. Um, but anyway, very tough matchup. I love this fight. I love this fight for Jack Della Maddalena because obviously very good striker, knockout power on the rise. This will be his toughest test to date. And Kevin Holland's certainly notorious for floating between welterweight and middleweight. Uh, you know, known for taking that fight on extreme short notice against Hamzat Shumayev, lasting about a minute, uh, and then getting, you know, taken out of there via submission. A guy well-known for being an entertaining fighter, an entertaining social follow uh, as well. You know, a guy that, that talks shit inside the cage. But here's the thing. From a matchup standpoint, this is favorable to Kevin Howen. Kevin Howen is a long, athletic, power-hitting welterweight that obviously also competed at 185 at middleweight uh, that has very good submissions as well this guy has an eight inch reach advantage heading into this fight against Jack Della Maddalena and this will be the toughest test to date for Della Maddalena uh, in his UFC and mixed martial arts career he has not been in there with the same type of fighters that Kevin Holland uh, has been in there for and quite frankly I don't believe the power that Della is going to bring is something that Kevin Holland hasn't, been see, hasn't seen before. He's been in there with some thumpers before. So I talked about this uh, earlier in the week on VEASAN. Uh, I'm talking about it now here on Wednesday on the Unnamed MMA podcast. Plus 122 for Kevin Holland is a play. He, him as an underdog, I think there are more ways for him to win this fight Then there are Jack Delamadolaine, and I see Kevin Holland being able to get this fight to the ground and work for a submission or play it smart, stay out of danger, maybe get out of that first round, uh, you know, fire that Delamadolaine is going to bring and then work to a decision, you know, outpoint this guy. Uh, I I like multiple ways for Kevin Holland to win this fight. I think it's a favorable matchup. Again, the athleticism, the length. Uh the skill sets, the the level of competition is enough for me to warrant Kevin Holland. <laughs> Uh, I'm playing him here on a Wednesday.
0: All right, so plus 120 on the money line for Kevin Holland. If we want to go value hunting a little bit, I'll just go by odds, even though you're going with Kevin Holland. Uh, the most favorable are is Modelena to win uh, by knockout at plus 165, then Modelena to win by decision at plus 300. Then we get to the Kevin Holland odds where it's Holland to win by knockout at plus 400 and to win by decision at plus 400, and then Holland by submission at plus 600.
1: Yeah, I just, look. I don't know what. I think, I guess, the odds are being set by Vegas because, you know, Jack Delamantelena, you know, not, does knock people out. I mean, he had three finishes in his first three UFC fights. But, like, quite frank, frankly, Kevin Holland, in my opinion, has been in there with bigger, stronger, uh, powerful punchers than Jack Delamantelena. I mean, he didn't, you know, Holland didn't get knocked out by Joaquin Buckley or Darren Stewart or Derek Brunson or. Marvin Vittori or Santiago Ponzinibbio. Yes, it was a corner stoppage against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, but that was an accumulation of strikes. That wasn't one-shot knockout. So I, I don't think Kevin Holland, who's going to be the bigger fighter too, you know, he's cutting the weight to 170, is going to have, be threatened. So I, I think if, if you want to get creative, you're doing Holland via submission or Holland via decision. But Holland overall, plus 122, why does not take the money line straight up on the dock?
0: Yeah, I don't see why not. I like it plus 120. We won't mess around with those, uh, what do you call it, the uh, value hunters that we usually do, the uh, method of victory. So we'll just go with... Kevin Holland on the money line at plus 120. Our main event right now is, uh, for this Saturday's Noche UFC is Alexa Grasso, the champion who won the belt from Valentina Shevchenko. This is a rematch. Um, the win in March made Grasso 5 and 0 since moving to the 125 pound weight class. But if you remember this fight, Grasso won the first round and then Shevchenko was in control after that. And then Grasso got the submission late in, uh, late in the fight and won the belt, and now Shevchenko, the favorite, minus 180 to get the belt back from Grasso, who is plus 120.
1: Yeah, Grasso was able to take advantage of of Shevchenko, making a mistake on her feet. I think it happened in the fourth round. Shevchenko went for, like, a spinning wheel kick, Mm -hmm. missed, kind of, like, landed awkwardly, you know, didn't have her balance, and Grasso did what, what champions do, like, took advantage, took her to the ground, and, and got her out of there via a neck crank. Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, a rear-neck choke, an armbar, you know, your, your typical submission. So without a doubt, Alexa Grosso has the advantage uh, against Valentina Shevchenko uh, on the ground. Now, now, quite frankly, maybe Valentina Shevchenko took Grosso lightly on the ground, and maybe she wasn't too worried, but Grosso was was quick. She was, for that finish, she, she smelled blood and was able to get advantage of it. But as you alluded to, you know, Shevchenko Shevchenko found her footing and started to kind of like take advantage and and, and not necessarily coast, but but pull up points and and eat up rounds and, and get a decisive advantage where she was on her way likely to a unanimous decision victory over Alexa Grasso because I do believe there is a big difference between the two skill sets on the feet. And obviously Shevchenko was a dominating champion. I mean, she was beating people left and right and the only person that she lost to was amanda nunez who's the greatest of all time and mm-hmm. that was up in weight class so um i look at this right now and i get i get people still wanting to find the, the value on alexa grasso at plus 140 i've heard people talk about that actually they'd prefer it to be a little bit higher but i look at it right now valentina Shibchenko, there has not been a last time where you can get her this significant of a discount, and I know she's coming off the loss. She's coming off the person and, and fighting the woman that, that beat her. But I think Valentina Shevchenko was considered to be on the Mount Rushmore of mixed martial arts ladies, one of the most dominating champions of all time. We've seen, obviously, in the last year, dominating champions. Uh, you know, have a little bit of a slip up, have a loss. Uh, you know, Israel Adesanya just, just, just happened. I mean, he, Mm -hmm. yes, I mean, he obviously lost the title to Alex Paheya, but then reclaimed it and was probably going to be on his way to winning, you know, the three or four other middleweight championship claims. Um, but I just think that Valentina Chichenko, it's the right price for you to play on it. I'm not worried about what happened last time. I'm banking on her righting the wrongs, not taking Alexa Grasso, Lightly, and probably ignoring, because I do think you have to put a little bit of value on this, Adam. You're, you're a college football guy. You know the home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, is going to be motivated. You know, her, her, her becoming the first female Mexican-American UFC champion. And the and crowd's going to be around. The crowd's going to be yep. ag- behind her. And this card being built around her, mm-hmm. uh, I still think is not enough to dismiss just how dominating of a champion Shevchenko was.
0: Now, if you're Shevchenko... Do you just—you obviously try to work in in, the—since March, you obviously try to work on your ground game. But also, like, if she doesn't take the risk with a spinning back kick, she wins the fight. Right, right. So, like, do you just take less risks, and you're a little more conservative, and you try to stay on your feet? Because if we go for method of victory here, Grasso, by decision, is plus 350—or, sorry— uh, yeah, Grasso by decision is plus 350. Shevchenko by decision is plus 150. And then Shevchenko to win by knockout is plus 350. And that's where you start to see Grasso by decision at plus 350. Grasso by submission at plus 400. Uh, Shevchenko by submission at plus 700. And then that's it. Yeah. I, I think that the two
1: logical plays are Grosso via submission again. Uh, looking at that as an opportunity.
0: Or, uh, Shev- or minus or she- 180 is not something I'm going to throw money on like you know what i mean like minus 180 like you said college football like i'm not taking alabama minus 180 alabama's not gonna be minus 180 against anybody anymore but i'm not taking out maybe usf this weekend just because it's nobody but i'm not taking the money line like i gotta take the points right so to me the points are do you take shevchenko by decision because she's going to be conservative and not take the risks with you know spinning back kicks and whatnot, or trying to keep this on the feet and not go to the ground to give Grosso the advantage. So Shevchenko by submission or by uh, decision at plus one fifty.
1: The, the only thing that, that that I think about that is is if is, is Shevchenko strikes me as as a legacy fighter. Uh, obviously, now that the, the trilogy fight for against Amanda Nunez is is not available for her, but like. Being able to go out there and not just dominate a fighter, but go out there and, and end a fighter and do it convincingly. Because, look, you know, three of her last five victories in the UFC have come via finish. This isn't a fighter that has gone to the judges' scorecards a lot. So uh, there might be something for Shevchenko to prove, but if you look at the odds, they're favoring over the over. They're favoring at four and a 4.5, mm-hmm. heavily juiced to the over. They're thinking this is going five rounds. So for me, yeah, Chefchenko via decision. If you want to
0: add some value to that dollar eighty price, that's the play you make. All right, that's what we'll do. Plus one fifty. All right. Anything else in the prelims? You mentioned there's a lot of uh, Mexican fighters on this card because this is Noche UFC for Mexican Independence Day, uh, and it should be a great you know, night with the fans and everything like that. Like, it should be a Why great Why not go atmosphere. with the
1: Russian? Why not go with the Russian? I just <laughs>
0: built this up. I built this up for you, Noche, U- Noche UFC. I built this up for the Mexican fans are going to be hyped. T-Mobile right, Arena. And you're like, fine. let's take the Russian. Fine, fine.
1: Well, come on. What are you doing? Tracy here? Cortez. Okay. Tracy Cortez and the women's flyweight fight. <laughs> uh, against uh, Jasmine J- J- Jazu Davicius. Uh, Minus you know. 118.
0: Yeah, okay. I, look, All Tr- right. Tracy
1: Cortez being able to work takedowns, you know, they're, they're the only concern really is that her inconsistency. She's fought one time or four times in the last four years, you know, basically on average one time every year. But I think, you know, Jasmine hasn't shown her ability to keep fights from going to the ground uh, against good grapplers. Tracy Cortez also is on a 10-fight. Uh, unbeaten streak, including a victory over here in Blanchfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's obviously gaining a lot of value. It happened years ago, but it's you know obviously holding very well. So Tracy Cortez, dour 18, uh dower eighteen as uh, the money line favorite. I'll take it.
0: All right. That is Noche UFC, this Saturday, ESPN+. He's Jordan Sherwood. You can follow him on Twitter at Wood on espn 1000 Get all of his picks, FatJackSports.com. I'm Adam Abdallah. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah, and we will be back next week for another episode of the Unnamed MMA Podcast. Thanks for listening.